Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds but also preview what's to come this next week at Charlestown Road. Roger, it has been a little while since we've been in the studio. I am glad to be back with you. Yeah, we've been hither and thither and hills and hollows <laughs> preaching, but uh, it's what we both love to do is preaching God's Word, and we love helping anybody, and we love to help congregations, so we've been out here and there on the road. You've been gone, I've been gone, and here we are. Here we are. One of the most encouraging things to me here within the context of our church family is just how many of our young men have dedicated time and effort uh, to speak in those Sunday evening slots when either you or I have been gone. We really believe in that. We're encouraged by that and truly appreciate those young brothers stepping up and and filling those vacancies while we're gone. Well, you spoke this past Sunday morning. Of course, it has been a little while since we've had it this week at Charlestown Road. We appreciate our podcast audience coming back and, and hopping on board with us as we revisit a sermon you entitled His Own Place. Yeah, it's based off of the life of Judas, and it's It's really taken from the end of Acts chapter 1 when the apostles were setting forth to find a a replacement for Judas. And in verse 25, Peter talks about how they must find someone to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And so what we did is we just kind of talked about the life of Judas a little bit. We don't talk much about him very often. He's uh, certainly made some terrible, terrible choices. And from that, we just tried to look at some things that would be helpful for us. Uh, just kind of highlighting some of the points we talked about, we identified in the lesson that he was chosen by Jesus. Uh, the apostles did not solicit Jesus. Jesus came to them. They weren't applying. There was no application. There was no resume they submitted. Jesus went out and found the apostles. And Jesus chose Judas. But by being with Jesus, Judas did not become like Jesus. We noticed that Jesus washed the feet of Judas, but Judas's heart remained unchanged. We talked about how Judas kissed Jesus in a betrayal, but he never really kissed him in praise. And as the passage says, he went to his own place. He didn't go to God's place. He went to his own place, and that's a place of guilt and shame. And from that, there, there were some bridges for us that we, that we wanted to look at, and that is the association with the godly people in our lives only helps us if we open our hearts to that. God has put incredible people around us and great examples, and they can only help us if we allow that. You think about for three years, Judas was with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He heard the sermons. He saw Jesus everywhere, but it didn't change Judas, and that's something we need to see be different with us. We also know that some decisions in life cannot be changed just because you want them to change. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But uh, Judas Judas was paid 30 pieces of silver. He felt sorry for that. He returned the money. But Jesus still went to the cross. Just saying you're sorry oftentimes doesn't change what's going to happen. 
Then we talked about just briefly the obvious in this lesson, and that is suicide is never an option. It should never be an option, and we mentioned some things about that. And then finally, the thing that Judas missed the most was that he never fully understood that God would have forgiven him. Just as God forgave Peter, who did, who betrayed him or denied him three times, just as God forgave Paul, who had killed the Christians, God would have forgiven Judas. But that's something he just never fully understood. His Own Place was the title of that sermon. If you haven't had the opportunity to watch or to listen to that yet, I would certainly encourage you to go back to charlestownroad.org and and visit that for the first time. It's available in our sermon podcast feed. Uh, Roger, as you mentioned, this is a, he's a challenging character in Scripture to talk about such a tragic story, uh, but so many important lessons that we can learn. And we've got just a, a couple of basic questions to think through. They're basic to ask, but valuable to think through as, as difficult maybe as it is, because we don't want to... F- follow in those same sorts of footsteps, right? To to be a disciple is to be more than a learner. It's to be a follower. And even though the Lord Jesus isn't walking around in the flesh, we are still just as much disciples as these first century people who, who literally followed Jesus from village to village, city to city. We want to make sure that we avoid this sort of footsteps. And so just kind of getting in this first century mindset, maybe a good place to start. If Jesus knew, and of course you and I both believe that Jesus was perfectly aware, there were a variety of times in in the Gospels that the, the writers make sure we understand. Jesus knew what was in the heart's of the people around him, if he knew what was in Judas's heart, knew even what Judas would eventually do, if you feel comfortable stepping into as much as we know of the mind of Jesus, why do you think he picked Judas in the first place? Yeah, you know, when we look at the story from where we're at, looking backwards, it looked like Jesus, Jesus made a wrong pick. It looked like all the others, even though they were kind of fumbling and bumbling around for, at first, they became powerful preachers. And it looked like Judas is a dud. It looked like he just he just picked the wrong guy. But Jesus knew what he was doing. And, and I think part of this was prophetic. Uh, I, I think he understood that there was a role that one would have to be to be the betrayer. I'm not certain that I would think that this is predestined or predetermined in the fact that maybe it was Peter who had done this, or maybe it was Thomas who would have done this. But but there there was enough in there from prophecy that Jesus knew that one of the one of his apostles was going to betray him, and yet still Jesus picked him. Jesus knew even before he came to earth that there would be a cross, and he would die on that cross, yet he still came. So some of this is is fulfillment of God's plan, God's prophecy. Uh, The whole purpose of Jesus coming here was to die on the cross. And so some of these are the events that would lead up to that. But but then some of it also gets down to individual personal choices. 
And, you know, I, I, I don't see in the scriptures myself personally that Judas had no other option. I, I, you know, I, I don't think that, okay, he was born to do this and, and there's nothing he could have done to change that. I think, I think those, those things cannot really be proven that way. And I think he, he chose these things because of his attitude, his heart, how distant he was from Jesus. And, you know, that's kind of how I'd look at that. Yeah, yeah. A good passage just to attach to your uh, prophecy note, and I, I completely agree, is Matthew 27, verses 9 and 10. Matthew so often highlights in those historical accounts of what was going on, this took place to fulfill what was written by the prophets, and at times it's Isaiah. In this case, for instance, it's Jeremiah. And these were words that were more than five centuries old. Jeremiah had written, they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed him. We know there are other statements of David, for instance, in the Psalms. He who has eaten my bread, shared a table with me, has lifted his heel against me. And Matthew, for instance, uh, draws a parallel from that thousand-year-old psalm to that night in the upper room where Jesus washes the uh, the apostles' feet. And so we know this was a matter of prophecy, but as, as you've also brought out and these other apostles, as you read, especially the early chapters of Acts, they highlight this was according to the plan of God, right? Now, you and I are pushing up against the limits of our own human understanding. How can a human being have that free will that I think you've rightly described and God weave that into his plan? But that is a a major thread that we read all over the scriptures. We read it in the very first book of the Bible where brothers of Joseph, for instance, had a choice as to how they were going to treat their brother. And God uses their choices and weaves within uh, his great plan, Joseph becoming a, a great man in Egypt, eventually sparing not only his own family, but many, many, many people from a famine. And Joseph comes to an awareness later on, listen, you may have intended this against me for evil, but God intended it for good. God is outside of the scope of space and time. He He knows exactly what is happening tomorrow just as surely as what we're experiencing today. This was all a part of God's plan. I, I, I want to circle back to one of the things you said and, and make sure that we just put it as as plainly as possible. You believe Judas had a choice in all of this. I do. I do. Um, uh, you know, if he had no choice, how could he be responsible? Um, how, how, could we, how could we say he's the guilty one when he had to do it? And, you know, it, it's not like he reluctantly went to do this. We're going to read here in just a little bit, a passage in the book of Matthew. It was Judas's idea 
to betray Jesus. He was the one who went to the Jewish leaders, and he asked them, what are you going to give me for this? And so it, it wasn't like, okay, I'll do this. I really don't want to do this, and, you know, I'll get in trouble for this, but but I have no other choice. Now, I, I don't see that at all. I, you know, and we, we saw in our lesson as we preached this, this past Sunday that, you know, the character of Judas never was completely on board with the Lord. Uh, G- Jesus was being supported by some wealthy women. Judas kept the money back, and he used to pilfer or steal from it. I mean, that's a bold statement right there to steal from Jesus, but he was doing that. And so his heart and his character never was completely on board with the Lord. Those were his choices. And, you know, could Judas have been a righteous person? I believe so. Uh, the betrayal would have happened. I believe the prophecy would have been fulfilled. The prophecy in Zechariah that talks about the 30 pieces of silver does not say it was Judas who would do it. Right. And so could it have been a Thomas? Could it have been a Peter? Could it have been a John? Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. But the Lord picked the character as he did, and this is the way it came about. All right. So you highlighted earlier a statement in Matthew 26, verse, I'll just start reading in verse 14. Then one of the 12, speaking of the 12 apostles, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. In the first half of your sermon, I appreciated how you highlight this statement as recorded by Matthew in Matthew 26. And then you reminded us what Judas had heard 10 chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. What was that passage that you highlighted and why did you do that? Well, you know, it's just one of the numerous statements Jesus made before the apostles. And there in Matthew 16, what does a prophet of man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? Judas would have heard those words, as as did Peter and the rest of the apostles. Jesus would have uh, Judas would have been there in the audience when the rich young ruler came up to Jesus and said, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said, "Sell all you have, come and follow me." And he saw that young man walking away sorrowfully. And so all through all through the ministry of Jesus, Judas would have heard these lessons about the kingdom. And, and about the dangers of riches and about pride and greed and all these things. And yet it was Judas who went to the Jewish leaders and said, what will you give to me? He had heard Jesus, but simply didn't sink in. All right. So let's draw a line from that principle that you helped us see Matthew 16, Matthew 26 to hear. We are Three days plus after your Sunday morning sermon was delivered. I'm, I'm afraid that there are plenty of people, far too many people, who buy into this, I don't know what you want to call it, is it cultural Christianity? I, uh, how, however you want to describe it, that, okay, I'll be in a church building on Sunday morning, I'll sit through a sermon, 
and I'm good for the rest of the week, right? I'll, I'll live like a sinner on a Friday night and Saturday night, but as long as I'm in church on Sunday morning, that means that overall, you know, I'm a saint, and somehow that outweighs what I've done. What do we, a few days after sitting in an assembly on Sunday morning, need to remember from what you've highlighted for us there in Matthew 16? Well, this is one of the great paradoxes and concerns of preaching. You know, it, it takes us all week to write a sermon, and we sometimes wonder if it's remembered to the parking lot. You know, it's like, okay, we pour all this work in it, and we preach our hearts out, and sometimes we think, does it do any good? I, I do believe that our culture today has, get, has convinced us that Sunday morning is a spiritual vitamin, and it provides 100% of all that we need. And it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. What we're getting on Sunday in our lessons is, is information. We're being challenged. We're being motivated. But, but then from that, we need to take it and apply it. Whether we talk about a sermon we hear, a Bible class we sit in, our daily Bible readings that we do, when we're, when we put in scriptures in our hearts, that's a wonderful thing. But if it doesn't change us, you see, we're standing in the shadows of Judas. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing to be right there and to hear, and to hear Jesus actually give the Sermon on the Mount? That'd been incredible. Wouldn't it been incredible being in that boat when Jesus stilled the storm? Wouldn't it be great to see Jesus cast out demons? Judas saw all those things, but it didn't change him. And so the point and the bridge to us is, okay, we are, we are not given those miracles literally today. But John 20 says, these things have been written so that we may believe. So we have the evidence. We have the words. We have the miracles because they're right here in our words, in the the word of God. We read these things. We hear sermons on these things. We like these things. And then we go home and nothing changes. And that's that's... And that shows us really there there are two aspects. This may take us down another road here, but but there's two aspects to our to our concept of sermons. One is the, the preacher's responsibility. He needs to preach it accurately. He needs to preach it powerfully and passionately. But then there's there's a concept of the audience. And sometimes we we may act like we are that little baby and we're being spoon fed, and but then we have a responsibility. When I hear what's being preached, first of all, I need to look at my own Bible, make sure it's true to God's word. From that, if it is true to God's word, I need to start making the checks in my life. I need to start realizing how can I use this? How can this make me closer to Jesus? See, there's a, there's a great paradox before us. Judas was right next to Jesus, but it didn't change him. I can hear the words of Jesus every single week, but does it change me? I get in that car, and before I leave the parking lot, I'm fussing with my wife because she wants to go shopping, and I want to go home and watch the ball game. Or I'm fussing with the kids because they're acting up, and right away, if I thought about that Jesus who is compassionate, that Jesus who is patient, that Jesus who is forgiving. And so the, the, uh, the challenge for us, just as there's a challenge for the preacher to preach, there's a challenge for the listener to take all of this and then put it into my life and start living what I have done. James chapter 1 talks about receiving the word of God and then doing 
what the Word of God says. All right, so let's round off our discussion like this. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. Maybe even as some of our listeners listen to this particular episode, uh, it's been a challenging couple of days, and uh, their their walk with Jesus, they realize, hasn't been what it ought to be. Do you believe, first of all, kind of a two-part question here, you believe Judas could have been forgiven? He hadn't committed the unforgivable sin. I do. I do. I do believe that Judas could have been in heaven. I do. I believe if Jesus could forgive Peter, I don't see a big difference between betraying and denying. They're, they're, they're pretty similar. Okay. And so he, you know, he forgave Peter. Peter, Judas did it one time. Peter did it three times. Yet he was forgiven. He forgave Paul who went out and killed Christians. I think he could have been forgiven. Yes, I do. All right. So part two of that question then, would that mean that all of the consequences of Judas's actions magically disappeared? And the answer is no. <laughs> and, and we kind of brought that out in the sermon. Uh, when you read Matthew 27 and you read what happens uh after Jesus gets arrested, you know, Judas brings this mob in. They come with swords and torches. And verse uh, 2 of Matthew 27, they led him bound away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. And then it says, verse 3, then Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned. He felt remorse, returned the 30 pieces of silver, saying, I have sinned. Three things there. He, he, he realized he was wrong. He tried to make some repentance by returning the money, and then he confessed that he had sinned, yet still Jesus was before Pilate, and Jesus was going to die. And so you can say, I'm sorry for what I said, I'm sorry for what I did, and you can be forgiven, but the damage may still be there. Now, some some practical applications, okay? Guy goes out here, and he drives drunk. And the police pull him over. Can he be forgiven for that? Yes, he can. Does that mean he doesn't have to go to jail? No, it doesn't. He may still go to jail. And, and, and that's a consequence. Can somebody be forgiven of adultery? The answer is yes. But that may destroy his marriage. That may be a consequence of that decision. So forgiveness and consequences are not the same thing. And I think we, we get this idea, well, if God forgives me, then, then pixie dust falls from heaven and all these bad things will not happen. Well, that's not true. That's not true. You can ruin your health by taking drugs. You can ruin your mind by feeding it things that shouldn't be there. You can be forgiven, but the consequences may be with you for a lifetime. And so if we round that off, okay, um, Maybe for years, maybe for decades, those consequences are difficult to deal with. And yet, what I hear you saying from the first part of that last question is, even though the consequences can be hard to deal with, can can be heartbreaking, I can still be heaven-bound. Absolutely. There has been in history Christians who went to jail for crimes but I believe that they were repentant and they were forgiven, but they still had to serve out their sentences. Yeah. And so, so again, there, there's, a, there's a big difference between forgiveness and consequences. 
and the two are not the same. And every choice, every decision comes with consequences. Even living the life of Jesus comes with consequences. And we, we need to see and appreciate uh, the differences in those things. His own place, some challenging, important things to think about. Again, if you did not watch or listen to that sermon already, I would certainly encourage you to do it at charlestownroad.org. Roger, thank you for your efforts this past Sunday morning and for revisiting that with me this uh, today. Uh, let's talk about tonight. You are teaching in the auditorium at 7 o'clock p.m. Yeah, this will be a part three of our series. We're calling it The Profiles of Serving, and we're looking at the servant Jesus, but then what we're doing is we're looking at different characters in our Bible who gives us wonderful examples of serving. And so tonight we're going to talk about the four men who brought a crippled friend to see Jesus. And what a great, great illustration of serving that is. In our Building Blocks track of studies in room B2, this month on Wednesdays, we're exploring what is wisdom. And tonight we're going to just look at this amazing treasure chest in the middle of our Bibles called the book of Proverbs, a book full of wisdom. Great opportunities for you to learn, to be encouraged, and be an encouragement to someone else. We would love to see you here at Charlestown Road at seven o'clock this evening. Lord willing, this coming Sunday morning, I have the opportunity to speak, and I'm going to kick off a little series circling back, hard as it is to believe, Roger, we are on the home stretch of the year. Our theme has been, I am his and he is mine. You talked to us about Judas this past Sunday morning. I want to talk about this other apostle that you and I have briefly mentioned, even in this conversation. I want to talk about Peter, and I, I want to launch this series that really will look at our theme. I hope I am his and he is mine through the eyes of Peter, ultimately through the pen of Peter. But we'll go back this Sunday morning as we launch that to John chapter 21, where Jesus interacts with the Peter who had denied him the way that you mentioned earlier. We would love to see you at 9.30, Roger, 5 o'clock p.m. this coming Sunday. Yeah, I have... uh little thing we do every once in a while, we call them fireside chats. And it's just me and the Bible, no PowerPoint, no note cards, just looking at a text. And so we're going to do that this coming Sunday night. We're going to do another one of my firesides. We'll just look at a story in the Bible and just peel the layers off, get great lessons from that. And that's what we're going to do then. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We have missed these conversations. We've missed hearing from you. And so thanks for giving us a little bit of a break and hopping right back on board with us. We'd love to see you tonight. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 